Welcome to the Small Business Buzz. I'm your host, attorney and entrepreneur Kimberly Hanlon. Today, I'm talking about the common mistakes you'll want to avoid when it comes to selling your business. And we have business owner Michelle Smith here to share her experience of being a business owner driven by her passion and the work she does to help people become their best selves. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Okay, so let's get to it. Today I'm talking about the common mistakes to avoid when it comes time to sell your business. You know, sometimes people do really goofy things. They spend their time and energy and financial resources building a business. And then when it comes time to sell that business, sometimes people decide to try to go the easy route or what they think is the easy route, which turns out to often be the harder route and the more expensive route. It's so funny how people will have spent so much of their lives devoted to their business, and then when it comes time to sell, they really don't give it the care it deserves. I'm friends with Michelle Seiler Tucker in New Orleans, and she is a rock star business broker. And she wrote this book called Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth. And one of the reasons why she has that title is that using a business broker makes your selling price for your business significantly higher than it would be if you were doing it on your own. And that difference can be really remarkable. Her average is about 40%. The selling price is about 40% higher when people use her than when they don't use her. And of course, that 40% is higher than what her commission rate is, so really everybody wins. One of the good things about using a business broker is that they have buyers already ready, and so your business listing can be confidential. That can be super valuable because you don't want your employees and your customers finding out that you're leaving the business before you're ready to announce it. And you don't want your competitors catching wind either for some obvious reasons. But whether you use a business broker or not, here are some of the common mistakes to avoid when it comes time to sell your business. Okay, the first is leaving the business dependent on you. And what I mean by that is when you're the key linchpin in the business and there's not, there's not a structure of people and there's not a lot of protocols for running your business, And so without you, either the business doesn't have a lot of value or it does have value, but it's going to be a really painful transition to the next owner or to whoever is going to run it for the next owner. The thing you want to do is to start delegating some of what you do to multiple other people and have them be responsible for those aspects of running the business. And as I said last week, document your processes. Document like crazy. Not only will that make your business more attractive to potential buyers, it'll also make the transition to the new ownership much, much easier. Okay, the next mistake is not thinking ahead. If you're giving yourself less than, say, three to five years to get everything wrapped up and sell your business and transition out, you're not giving yourself enough time. But thinking further ahead is even better, especially when it comes to thinking about taxes. 
Your business, when you sell it, will be subject to capital gains tax. Depending on how you plan on selling it, you might consider selling it sooner than later. Even though your business might be worth less selling it sooner, you might net more after tax considerations depending on how your business is growing. Also, depending on whether or not you're planning on structuring the sale in such a way that you get to stay on as a consultant. The portion of your business that is outright sale is subject to capital gains tax, but the portion of the sale that has you stay on and earn consulting fees is earned income or ordinary income, and so not subject to capital gains tax. So you want to think ahead as far as when you're going to sell and how you're going to structure that deal. Also, whether you're going to structure it as an asset sale or a share sale. I mean, those have different tax consequences as well. Okay, the next one is not having a realistic valuation. Buyers are only going to pay what they're willing to pay. And if your asking price isn't at least in the ballpark of what your business is worth, it will be a total non-starter and you won't ever get negotiations off the ground. The best thing you can do is to work with a CPA who is experienced in doing business valuations and does that regularly. Not every CPA does that. A lot of CPAs are just, I shouldn't say just tax CPAs because that's so very, very important. CPAs, just like attorneys, usually focus their practice on some aspect of accounting, like personal taxes or business taxes or forensic accounting. Those are the people who do investigations when there's like fraud or embezzlement. What you want is a CPA who does business valuations, and that's a very specific skill set, and not every CPA has that skill set. One of the benefits of using a CPA like that is that there's likely some aspects of your business that are worth more than you would think, or that you even know to value, let alone how to value, and they can help you get a more complete picture of the components that make your business valuable and not just what the final number should be. Okay, the next one is considering just the money. I know when it comes down to it, the bottom line, what you walk away with is what is really important to you, especially if you're planning on using, using the sale of your business to fund your retirement. But the bottom line isn't the only important consideration. Also consider the buyer's ability to finance the purchase and what their plan is for the business. Oftentimes, business sales involve some aspect of seller financing. In other words, there's some lump sum that you get on the, the front end and then you get payments over time and often those payments are made with the business's cash flow. If your buyer doesn't have the ability to pay, regardless of whether the business is cash flowing or not, that's going to be important. Also, if you have a successful business and you sell it to a buyer, but then they step in and they mismanage it, and all of a sudden the cash flow isn't there to pay you, they're going to default and you're not going to get paid. And worse than that, what you're going to end up with is a business back in your lap that is now struggling and needs to be rehabilitated. So it's really important to not only consider what the buyer's willing to pay, but their ability and their likelihood to pay over time. Okay, the next one is not keeping negotiations at arm's length. 
Sometimes people turn to their friends or their family members to try to help them negotiate the deal. Business sale negotiations are highly nuanced and involve more aspects than you might realize. You as the seller are on the hook for anything that wasn't disclosed to your buyer. And that's why in these purchase agreements, there's pages and pages and sometimes even boxes and boxes of due diligence reports. And I'm not saying that to scare you off, but you do need to know that there are some real pitfalls, some traps for the unwary that you can fall into. Not to mention that how the deal is structured and the tax consequences of that can make the difference between you having a profitable sale and really losing your shirt. So don't use your friends and family, use professionals. Okay, the next one is not making an exit strategy. Having an exit strategy makes it possible for you to sell your business at the right time when it benefits you best and transition into retirement with the resources that you need. And at the same time, it allows you to transition the operation of your business to the next owners, whether that's the next generation in your family or to your key employees who are buying the business or or to a new buyer that you didn't ever know until that person bought your business. Your exit strategy also needs to include aspects of your estate planning. And of course, I've already talked about the tax planning aspects, but you know, those tax planning aspects also intersect with your estate planning. So it's important to have a comprehensive and holistic exit plan. If you'd like to read my blog post about this, you can find the link on my show notes at thesmallbusinessbuzz.com, or you can go to my website at khanlonlaw.com. That's K-H-A-N-L-O-N-L-A-W.com. And while you're there, sign up for my bi-weekly business newsletter. In each newsletter, I have articles that'll help you in running your business, and sometimes I have bonus materials for you to download for free, like small business legal guides, or recordings of webinars, or sometimes even model legal forms. In my upcoming newsletter, I'll have a video recording of a past seminar that I did with last week's special guest, Julie Keys, called How to Plan a Graceful and Profitable Exit from Your Business. So you definitely won't want to miss that. Okay, up next is my interview with Michelle Smith. Life of an entrepreneur is a never-ending struggle to sharpen that competitive edge that will place your business ahead of the competition. Fortunately, the shape of the average workplace has changed. Finding that fine balance struck between cost efficiency and excellence is now easier than ever. We need help when we need help, but we don't need to be burdened with full-time staff. That's where astute business concierge can help you. Astute Business Concierge. More than just smart, astute. Visit us on the web at astutebusinessconcierge.com to see how we could help you. All right. I'm here with Michelle Smith, and the name of her company is Beautiful Life, as in beautiful life, but also be you. Thank you, Michelle, for being here today. Thank you, Kimberly. It's such an honor to be here. 
I thought today what we could talk about is, well, the other day we were visiting, right? And you had mentioned that initially you never thought that you would be a business owner. And then life took you in one direction where you were just drawn to do it. And so I wanted to visit with you about that, sort of where you started and what had you have that mind shift and then how that's been for you. And then I also would like to visit about what it is that you do and what that makes available for people. Does that sound like a good conversation to have? That sounds great. Awesome. Let's do it. I guess let's start with what was it, what was your life like or what was your mindset like before you started the business, even before you thought that you would ever start a business? So my life prior to doing my work with Higher Brain Living existed of going to work Monday through Friday as a radiation therapist. And at the time, we were at a transition in our department And what was supposed to be this beautiful pioneer of a new program kind of fell through the floor. And so at that time, I was looking for something new and wanted to do something to be at home, to be able to be with my kids more often. And as I went one day and got my hair done, my hairstylist was telling me about this program called Higher Brain Living. And because I had previously worked a lot with neurology, she thought that I should go see this presentation and that I could potentially facilitate this program for people. So not only was I needing it in my own life to find more direction um, and a new path, potentially, I fell in love with what this company, what this, the purpose of this program was. And when I got involved in it, I honestly can tell you that I, I really wasn't thinking about the business portion of it. It was really about wanting to bring more joy to people's lives. I was actually feeling that for myself and couldn't help but be a part of this. And hence, I launched my business a year and a half ago. Which is awesome. And I know that you're rocking it, which is just great. I think it's interesting. Sometimes when I talk to people, and they have this idea that in order to have, I don't know, people say stability, you have to have a job. And I have a different view on that. I always feel like to have stability, I have to be able to be the captain of my own ship. I know that that I can produce. And I know that as long as I can produce, I will always be well cared for, I guess you could say. But if I work for somebody else, then I'm at their whim. So I never thought that having a job meant particularly stability. But a lot of people have that fear of opening a business like, oh, I don't want to give up the stability. I don't personally understand that idea. But did you have that, that sort of idea, that mindset before you started your business? Are you speaking about a fear of not having stability? Yeah, or maybe it is. You know, like I said, I don't, I don't understand why people fear starting a business for fear of not having stability or why people think that a job means stability. I think in the process for me, looking back now, it's real important to have support. If you don't have a support that feels good to you, I'm big on feeling. 
And if you're not feeling like it's supportive for you, then you're going to lack that, that feeling of stability, I would think. For me, it really has always been the passion of the work that is driving me. I have a desire to bring this to so many people, and just taking the action steps feels stable, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. It yeah. does. I just wondered, just because you had said that it never occurred to you to ever open a business until you came upon this work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm beaming. I don't know if that com- it's coming over the microphone or not, but... I'm very, I have a lot of pride around it, actually. It feels good to own a business and to be my own boss and to produce results, you know, and speak to people in a way that they're, that they're wanting to hear, you know, to build those relationships with people. Um, whoever knew that would be a business, you know, it just feels so natural. You know, those are the, the aspects of my business that I like best too, is connecting with people and making a difference with them. Sometimes people who know my background and know that I used to be a fashion designer in New York say things like, oh, well, don't you miss New York and the glamour of, of the fashion industry? And, and I have to say, you know, I, I always like to have a creative outlet, but no, I mean, I would not trade the life I had then for the life I have now because being able to make a difference for people and connecting with people in a way that's really meaningful is really rich and delicious. So I really get that. Rich and delicious. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, feel free to borrow it. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you um, tell people about Higher Brain Living? Sure, I would love to. Higher Brain Living is a proven personal growth program that utilizes a gentle touch protocol to surge energy up past the reptilian stress brain up to the higher brain, the prefrontal cortex. This area of the brain where we experience uh, feelings of joy, abundance, passion, purpose, and peace. It is said that we use that part of our brain only 5% of its potential. So there is a huge, huge opening for people to be living in a space that brings them more purpose in their life. The way the world is now, we are, we are stuck most times in, in a tunnel type vision where We are taking step after step, but we're not having this bigger awareness of what our purpose is in the world. And this program is 22 steps. And through this uh, program, people realize that they are not seeing their lives how they could. This gives you a 50,000 foot vantage point of your life. And when you accumulate the energy in your prefrontal cortex, then what I do is give you a definitive, uh, we'll call it a GPS system a guidebook that will allow you to assess your life in the four dimensions of mind, body, relationship, and environment to take a look at where you may be stuck in each of those dimensions. And then by the end of the program, we have you declare your authenticity so that you are living from a space that um, allows your inner voice to speak and you live from your heart. And so it's just beautiful. Um, what the program's done for me has been amazing things, and a lot of it has been in my relationship um, quadrant. To realize that discussions, you know, uh, communications, in the past I was allowing those things to create my identity, and I know now that I'm much, much more. Um, we all are. We are all light at our core, and this program helps you emit your light. When you went through the program, the Higher Brain Living program, do you think... 
the work impacted you in a way that gave you the confidence even to be in business in a way that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Absolutely, it did. And during my training, uh, we were we had some bit of business and personal coaching around, you know, getting rid of our story, you know, really getting out of our own way and allowing ourselves to go out and teach and be somebody that can lead people into a new way of living. So yes, very much so the program brought me into that. Are there a lot of people who are um, higher brain living? Are you, is it called a facilitator? Yes, we are called facilitators. And yes, there is about 200 of us nationwide. And we just uh, trained our first global facilitator in South Africa. Wow. Yes. So it's moving quickly. So that's interesting, too, to make the jump to South Africa. Yes. Exciting. That is exciting. How did this Higher Brain Living program come about? The vision was through a doctor of chiropractic. His name is Dr. Michael Cotton. And he developed the program uh, through over 30 years of research, really. He had a really big network spinal analysis business out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and always had an interest in human potential and consciousness studies on the side of that. Realized that his patients maybe weren't receiving his treatments as they could, and really cracked the code on how to surge energy right up to the prefrontal cortex. So he basically trained um, a group of five people to begin with, and now it's expanded to over 200. That's awesome. Yeah. Really brilliant work. So you're still a little bit in startup mode, I would say. I mean, you're going along at a pretty good clip. But usually, you know, it takes a little bit to hit your stride. And maybe you have totally hit your stride, um, which is amazing. What challenges have you found in starting and in running your business? One really big challenge for me is that I'm married. I have three children, and I'm still working part-time as a radiation therapist. It does take a lot of work to get a business going, and I do feel really successful in that I'm very comfortable at where I'm at, but I can see it growing to the point that I can be done with my radiation therapy work. Um, I'm in the midst of doing a lot of networking and building partnerships. Um, I have a really big opportunity coming up uh, with a chiropractic wellness group, and that is in the works right now. And so really, you know, there's relationship building as far as with my clients, but there's also relationship building as far as with partnering with other, uh, you know, I'm really looking to reach out to people in each of the four dimensions. My business too is um, primarily, I would say a referral business. I'm well optimized, I suppose, on the web. And so I do have people who find me on the web. And I also have people who come and meet me because I do public speaking events Uh, periodically, which I love doing that because I love people and I just, I don't know, it's, it's something I enjoy doing. But mostly people come to me because they know somebody who knows me. And so having that whole network of referral partners is so valuable. Plus it's fun. It just, life is more fun when you're around people who are great to connect with. Absolutely. Yes. People that are passionate about wanting to make a difference in the world. And um, you, there's just a natural connection that happens. And it's so rich and delicious. Yes, <laughs> it is. Go by right, right back to that. <laughs> okay, so let's take a quick break. Great. Would you like to be at the top of your field with everyone acknowledging your credibility and authority? 
Becoming a published book author is the most effective way to get others to recognize you as the master in your field that you already are. But writing a book can be hard, long, painful work. It doesn't have to be so hard, or long, or painful. We're Propitious Publishing, and we help business owners just like you write, edit, publish, and distribute their own book on the subject of their expertise without the hassle of self-publishing, even if they don't have the time or skill to write a book on their own. Published authors get called on for media appearances, public speaking engagements, and are often featured as experts in newspaper and magazine articles. Published authors can garner more for their services and are sought out in the marketplace. If this sounds interesting to you, go to propitiouspublishing.com to learn more. That's P-R-O-P-I-T-I-O-U-S publishing.com and we'll get you started on your way to becoming an authority in your field. Okay, so we're back. I know you have a, a pretty big vision for the world. So if you don't mind, would you share it with us? Absolutely, I will. It's actually a big part of my declaration, my personal declaration. I see the world as unity. We are all one. Right now, the world does not look that way. Um, but I see unity in our world weaving in and around diversity and sameness. And it's not until we start functioning from a place where we can create opportunity out of the challenges that exist. As Einstein said, we cannot solve a problem from the same spot, state of consciousness that created the problem in the first place. And so when we function from a different part of our brain that allows us to see opportunity, more clarity, and, and optimism, the world will change. And that's Dr. Michael Cotton's vision as well. This is, this is big, big vision. And uh, it's just such a joy to be a part of it. My heart just screams for it. There's a part of that. I mean, I, I think that there might be people out there who are thinking, well, that sounds all well and good, but how does that translate to results? But you've seen it translate to like actual tangible results in your, in your clients and also in your colleagues. Absolutely. Yeah. It starts with us. If we function in our own families from a place of unity, that, that, you know, goes out to communities, it goes out to neighborhoods, you know, and there's actually a wave effect to it. It is said that what happens on one spot in the world will happen on the other side of the world just by way of energy. And that's a really hard concept to come across, um, to think about. But I believe it. I do believe it. And I've seen it in my family. When you start showing up differently as a person, it naturally will vibrate out to others and they'll respond with more love, gratitude. Or if yeah. you start responding differently, like if you were to go in the other direction, they would, they would likewise respond. <laughs> yes. So, but with the higher brain, <clears throat> the energy makes available is that you have more, would you say, peace and clarity and out of that peace and clarity, different actions and different choices are made. And so it, it just puts people on a completely different path. Absolutely. New neural pathways in the brain are being created, which allows you to function completely differently than what you're used to. It actually brings us back. It's a birthright. This is a birthright for us. 
it is who we are. And um, it's our belief systems and habits that we've created throughout the years that have taken us away from that, that purity that we all are. You know, um, a couple of weeks ago, oh gosh, I lose track of time so, so easily. A handful of weeks ago, I'm not sure how long ago, I had Uma Devi on the Small Business Buzz, and she was talking about ascension meditation as a pathway for people to have effectiveness. And it's funny that you say that, that this is, this is our birthright. She used those exact words. She said, you know, it is our birthright to have, I can't remember exactly what she said, but you know, peace and stillness in our, in our lives. Mm -hmm. So I think that's interesting that, that there's Abundance, health, and harmony is our birthright. Yeah. And if we function from a space of knowing that's what we are, then we can attain that. You mentioned before that you are still in your sort of growth trajectory. What have you done to to chart a plan for yourself? I'm really just seeing where this will take me. The biggest thing, actually, I love doing the work. You know, I love the personal connection with people, like I said, but I found that the thing I feared the most is really what I love the most now, and that's presenting. So I can see myself being perhaps a national, international presenter of this type of uh, message. And who knows where it, where it will take me. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah. And actually, you'd be really good at that. Thank you. I can just see in the faces of people that there's there's really a thirst for this knowledge and a way to attain it. And higher brain living is really a fast way to accumulate energy in the prefrontal cortex. There are, of course, other ways. The ascension meditation you were speaking of, you know, just any type of meditation, yoga practices, prayer, all take us to that level of calm and peace. There have been clients around the country that have done a lot of work with these different types of methods, and they've reported that higher brain living is unreal in how quickly they feel changes and the change actually lasts longer. And so this, the message here, like I said, people are so thirsty for a way to kind of get out of their muck and become unstuck in their lives. And I don't mean to make it all sound so, you know, doldrum, but you know, life, life gets busy. And if we can have a quick go-to way to ascend to a different level of consciousness, state of mind, I really believe higher brain living is a beautiful way to to get there. Well, I've heard I've heard people say that our brains have evolved way more than what we're using. Like we I don't know, I'm just going to throw out this number. I don't know that this is right. But in general, not just the the frontal cortex, but in general in our brain we use like less than 10%. Um I it just occurs to me that the rest of the 90% has to be there for some purpose. And I like, if we can use even a fraction more than what we are using now, either great things are going to unfold or we're going to just be disastrous. But I'm guessing that great things are going to unfold because generally it occurs to me that our, the way that we have evolved mm-hmm. as human beings and civil, civilization is that we are getting to be less militant mm-hmm. and we are getting to be more tolerant. Yes. I mean, I know that we have in the world, I mean, we certainly have spots where peace is so not present. Right. 
But I, it does occur to me that more and more humanity is shifting towards a different sort of um, mindset. Yes. People are starting to wake up to the fact that we are consciousness in motion. We are consciousness. And so we have the ability to change our day, our world, and to maybe tweak one thing you said, we use 10% of our brain's potential. And so we have this architecture in our brain that we're not using. It's scientifically proven that we're not. 99% of species die off. And part of that, you know, we grow and evolve these new parts to equip ourselves to and adapt to the new environment or to the environment. And if we have this architecture and aren't using it, what does that mean? Will our species die off if we don't start using and functioning our prefrontal cortex? That is part of the vision as well. And um, it's huge. It is so huge. We know that we have it. How do we use it? What do we do with it when we do energize it? Higher brain living shows you the way. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Like if you don't, if you don't use it, you lose it. But that right. really is how everything works. I mean, my, um, my dad had rotator cuff surgery not that long ago. And he had to not use his arm for, it was like six or seven weeks. And it was unbelievable how much strength he lost. How just from his muscles atrophying in that short amount of time, it really is. If you don't use it, you lose it. Now he did physical therapy and he's, he's back to normal, actually better than he was before. But yeah, yeah. that is, that is how mm -hmm. living organisms operate. Yeah, exactly. And the field of neurology is, is huge. You know, there's new stuff coming out all the time, research-based uh, information. And the concept is really so easy. You know, I'm by no means a neurospecialist, but I know enough that people wake up to the fact that, oh, I have this part of my brain that is scientifically proven that I'm not using, and you're going to show me how and how to create a life from this space. People are thirsty for that. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Do you have a lot of people who are business owners in your client base? I actually just uh, got a new client who's a business owner. Yeah, and so he's really uh, needing to work on his body dimension. Um, stress has taken over, and he's lost sight of self-care. Oh, you know, that happens to me now and then. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And he's gotten to the point where his inner voice is saying, I need to do something. And so he's, he's very excited about what this can do for him. Yeah, I was wondering if um, if you had seen business owners, you know, go from one mode of operating to another, and like sort of what results they've they've gotten. Yeah, he does speak about his staff, they're um, of the younger generation, and you know, speaking about entitlement that comes up and different discussions of trying to relate to them, and he feels like his relationship quadrant, you know, that would really help in in discussions and in actually being accessible, relatable, and make positive impact in his business with his uh, relationships to his employees. I am just so lucky and blessed that I get to work with really awesome people. And even working with the most awesome people that you could ever find, it still is sometimes um, a challenge. Sure. And when it's a challenge, I have to say, it's pr I'm the one who makes it a challenge. Not them. 
<laughs> just <laughs> the person who's a nightmare is me, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that, Kimberly. <laughs> I don't know. There was this one time that um, I was filming this video for this website that we were doing, and oh my gosh, it took two days for Sean and I to uh, film this six-minute video. And <laughs> the production process, I think, um, impacted the quality of our relationship. Although, <laughs> we've gotten over it, or at least I think we have. Or tested it, maybe. <laughs> tested it, yeah. Oh. But I still have Sean as my right-hand man, so, you know, I should <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> Well, what has been your favorite thing about having your business? Gosh, other than building the relationships with people, I guess my favorite thing is just the new passion I have for life. I really feel like I've found something that can truly make a difference in the world. And that just feels amazing. So amazing. I'm living big. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels so good. See, I think it's just, it's so interesting to me in some ways. Because I, I have people who come to me and they're like, oh, I've always wanted to have a business. I've always wanted to have a business. But you might be one of the first people that I, I've talked to who have said, you know, I never, ever in a million years thought that I would have a business. And now I have a business and I love it. And so I just, I think it's so, it's so cool. It is so cool. And I love what you're doing. So thank you. I suppose in run respect, you could call that flying by the seat of your pants. <laughs> well, I fly by the seat of my pants regularly. <laughs> I frequent flyer miles on the seat of my pants. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I want to use that too. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> well, Michelle, I am so happy for you in your business, and I am so proud of you and how well you're doing. And what you're doing for the world is just really great and so cool. So thank you so much for being here today. If people want to learn more about what you do or get in touch with you, how can they do that? I have a website. The address is HBL, which stands for Higher Brain Living, michellesmith.com. And my phone number is 952-451-2932. People can visit my website and get a little bit more information about what Higher Brain Living is. There's some videos they can watch. And I would love to talk to anyone that's interested in living to their fullest potential. Cool. I'll put the link to your website on my show notes. But just in case somebody doesn't go to my show notes, you're Michelle with two L's. Yes, that's correct. All right. So HBL Michelle with two L's Smith.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Michelle. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I think so, too. next week for the Small Business Buzz, when I talk about what you need to know if a customer of yours files for bankruptcy. We'll also visit with employment law attorney Ryan Campmeyer about the things business owners need to know about handling employment issues, and he'll give us the top tips you can use to stay out of trouble. 
You can find links and other useful information on our show notes at thesmallbusinessbuzz.com. And be sure to follow us on iTunes or Stitcher. If you're liking what you're hearing, please give us a good rating and maybe even leave a review. Of course, a lawyer would have a disclaimer, and here is mine. Any information provided on the show is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal advice. The show theme music is Pioneers by Jason Shaw, released under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.